As the colder weather peaks its head around the corner, get into the newest limited edition fragrances by Glade and make sure your home has that warm and inviting aroma this holiday season. You can give your apartment or dorm the perfect vibe with twinkling pine and cedar or fall night long. How about setting the mood for your homecoming brunch with glowing pumpkin spice or maybe even a little crisp cranberry champagne for the cooler months? Smell is the strongest sense tied to memory, and nothing makes a good vibe better than masterfully crafted fragrances by Glade. Glow up the holidays with Glade. Available at retailers nationwide. Today's episode of Say Less is brought to you by Nike. For the fourth year, Nike presents the changemakers from HBCUs across the country, including right here at North Carolina Central. Howard University, Tennessee State University, Prairie View A&M, Florida A&M, Southern University, Winston-Salem State University, North Carolina A&T, Hampton University, and Bowie State University, honoring their school's rich legacies as agents of inspiration and change. It all started on the yard. Learn their stories, peep the exclusive Yard Runners-inspired HBCU gear, available now on Nike.com or in the Nike app. We come a long way from the Averex, from the days when we had to make the weight stretch. Now it's Vacherons and all the Marpacay sets. You want to get money with me? Say less. Say Say less. Say less. You want to get money with me? Say less. Music affects us. It's black folk different than it affects everybody else. It's a fact. You know what I mean? Somebody listening to hip hop that's white, they can put hip hop down and not be white, you know, not be black anymore. You know what I mean? We wear it, we walk it, we talk it. Like there's no way we can just put it down and just say, ah, that's I'm not hip hop no more. This it's in our blood. It's in our, you know. So I have to make sure I'm intentional about that, the vibes that I put out. When did you realize that? this was going to be your thing, producing, you know, making music. When did you realize, it was like, all right, this, this is where I'm going with my life. <laughs> um, and I'm talking to the students right now. If you don't know what you want to be with your life, that's cool. You have time to figure that out. I think we get in school and we're like, oh, we got to do this and we got to do that. I am a living proof that life, life does not go to plan, right? I came to North Carolina Central to be a history major, right? I spent a lot of my time in Edmonds classroom building, just history paper after history paper after history paper, till I started making beats on a program called FL Studio. Shout out Fruity Loops. And I started selling beats for $50. And I'm thinking, I had cats coming in my room saying, all right, am I gonna eat this week? Well, I'm going to give you $50 for this beat. And I said, and if I'm going to make this man guess if he going to eat this week or not, <laughs> I got something, right? Yeah, what's going on, North Carolina Central? What's good? What's popping? How y'all doing? My name is Kaz. What's up, y'all? Rosie, what I'm up? I'm Rosie. Low key. Watch that <laughs> feedback. My goodness. Yo, shout out to all y'all coming through. Really appreciate y'all. Shout out to Pod Digital Media. Of course, Nike Yard Runners, incredible activation happening right now, especially with homecoming. Hope y'all enjoy y'all Saturday this weekend. Saturday is when it goes down, right? This Saturday? Yeah. Yes, that, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard, I heard it's going to be big. I heard it's going to be big with this man right here. But um, this is Say Less with Kaz O'Kee and Rosie, man. We're a podcast out of New York City. We talk to a lot of extremely interesting folks. So please, if you can, go to your Instagram, TikTok, follow us at Say Less, Kaz, Low Key, Rosie. 
talk to incredible athletes, artists, just you know, creative individuals, especially folks that look like me and you. So folks that are, especially in college, creatives, people that are thinking of things to do while they're in school, graduate from school, wherever. Uh, it's always a great conversation to have. None of that BS you hear from other podcasts. It's not gossipy. It's not none of that stuff. It's actual. Do not gossip. Okay. It's, it's, all, right. It's, all right. All right. It's some actual. <laughs> okay. Hold on. I mean, we got to plug the show. I mean, come on, son. Like, that's that's how it goes. But, man, um, our guest coming on tonight, today, actually, is uh, a legend around these these parts, especially North Carolina Central. <clears throat> so I got to make sure I got the credentials the correctly. Um, don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. Our special guest has recorded classic records for the likes of Kendrick Lamar, Jay-Z, Nipsey Hussle, Anderson Pac, and more. He has teached courses at Duke University, Elizabeth City State University, Wake Forest. And he's also a Harvard University fellow, but more importantly than all that, He's alumni of this university right here, North Carolina Central yes, University. Please give it up for the Grammy Award winning, the legendary ninth wonder people. Make some noise. Welcome to the stage. Welcome to the stage. First and foremost, nice. Let's go, legend. What's good, OG? Thank you for being Doing all right. with us. Ha happy to be in your stomping grounds. Right. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, North Carolina's been very, very nice to us. You haven't been here that long, but I can already feel the, the, the hospitality of your, of your hometown. You feel me? Feels good here. <laughs> it's on. <laughs> I don't know what's going on on the other end of 40, not down to give a damn. <laughs> <laughs> but you at the best homecoming there is. Um, I mean, <laughs> there's nothing like the Greek Bowl. Yeah. Nothing. I wish we were around to, to experience it. Yeah, like, explain that to me, just, I've never experienced it. So the Greek Bowl is in the, um, you know, in the, in the middle of campus. Um, at one point, uh, all the plots were not in the bowl when I was here as a student, but now all the plots are in the bowl. And that's kind of like the gathering place. I want to say after the game, but during the game, <laughs> we already over there. And um, I think one year in the bowl, we had like eight, 9,000 people. Oh, wow. Something crazy. Sheesh. It was a year that um, BET was here, and uh, they got to see it first. So now it's become a serious tradition at the end of the game. And this year the game is televised, so um, and the game's at 3.30. So I don't know how we're going to make it to parties <laughs> after that. But um, it's definitely a, one of those HBCU phenomenons. That's for sure. that, that, was, that was the first thing they told me in the Uber ride over here. They was like, oh, you're going to Central? I was like, yeah, football team, really good, really yeah, good. No, no, really I'm good. like, oh, right. The number one ranked uh, HBCU football team in the country, as a matter of fact. Yes, sir. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm blessed to see, you know, the coach of, of North Carolina Central football. We went to school together here. The coach of North Carolina Central basketball. We was an undergrad together here. So to see them doing what they're doing is fantastic. Your experience at this university has crafted you as an individual, musician. What's one of the best experiences, you know, during your time here? I had a chance to go to North Carolina Central in the height of when a, when a show called A Different World was on TV. Oof. And That's before a lot of y'all time, people. So <laughs> to see that every night on NBC, um, see Dwayne Wayne and Whitley and, you know, all the characters, and to have a have a movie out at the same around the same time called School Days, that's kind of what really wanted made me come to an HBCU, right? 
but to then to get here and see it live um, and to see, you know, I'm a music person, so um, to step on campus to, you know, to date myself, this is the 30th year. I was a freshman 30 years ago. Wow. Right? Ooh. And I stepped on campus fall of 1993, and I distinctly remember being on campus, and one of the first songs I heard on campus was a song by a guy by the name of Snoop Dogg called Jenny Juice. That was, <laughs> that was freshman year. You know, Jenny, uh, what Snoop Dogg's album made his debut that, that fall. A new group called Wu-Tang Clan made their debut that fall. I heard a new rapper around the time had a song called It Ain't Hard to Tell. His name was Nas. Like, this was my freshman year of school. I was about to say, you know I, I mean? that, those are the formative years. Yeah, like, it was, time. you know, but it was also cool to be smart and cool to be black. You know, we are five minutes from Duke, 15 minutes from North Carolina, 20 minutes from NC State, and have great, you know, ACC basketball teams. But all of those players are over here. Right, Stackhouse is over here, Rasheed Wallace is over here, Grant Hill was walking around here. Like, so that's, you know, to go to HBCU at that time during, I think my man, one of my students, that's one of my former students right there, and. He has no idea you're shouting him out reason right why I'm calling him out, because he has the AACA College Alliance. <laughs> that is a, you know, that's retro. That's when we had that, like you had North Carolina Central, Winston-Salem State. It was just a great time to be a black college kid. Man, I, and that hit so different with me personally because I, I discovered your music when I was in college, right? right? So right. this is what, now I'm the age of myself. I'm thinking I'm on campus around 2005, 2004. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Uh -huh. You know what I'm saying? Right. And a lot of people that are in here are in here are either freshmen or, you know, in here for school. But mm -hmm. obviously when you're in school, you're getting your study on. You also want to be able to be creative. You want to yeah, find yeah. things about, about yourself. Yeah. And he talked about how pivotal it was in your freshman year hearing Nas for the first time, hearing Wu-Tang for the first time. Hearing SWV for the world, first time. All that yeah. stuff. Being not just a, a scholar, but being a creative, talk to me a little bit more just about how that freshman year really shaped you creatively, not just in the classroom, but outside as well. You know, I always say, you know, some people ask, what's the benefit about going to college? And I always say it's not so you're going to learn from classes, you're going to learn from professors. But I don't think people understand like the incubator system that's here at college. You are sitting beside the next future mogul, the next future manager, the next future head of Adidas, the next few. You don't even know like so this is a great time to like network and learn how to deal with people. I always say the three things that I learned going to college was learn how to make decisions and learn how to deal with people. And, and that's what it is. So there's been so many, like I spoke about Lavelle and I spoke about Trey Oliver, but you know, I went to school with a guy who, he, he, he was a stylist for Andre Day, her, Kerry Washington, right? My man, Warry Vice, right? Yeah. So he, you know, stuff like that, you know? And, and you never know sitting in class who you're sitting beside or who somebody's gonna become. So you always need to really pay attention to that. And I just learned that my freshman year, sophomore year, you know, here, just always pay attention to who you're going to school with because you never know what they're going to become. I've always been a big fan of your production because you do 
not just make music, but you're also a scholar. And it always feels like the music that you make is for like a trained ear, right? It's an intention, like, yeah, right, It's right. very intentional with like a sample you use or a certain shop or anything like that. Um, did that start really on, on university or was what, was what was the first sort of Ninth Wonder Ears training session like to be like, okay, when I want to make music, I want to be intentional to make sure that people It kind of started from that. You know, it, it, it came from just the music we were listening to at the time because at the time the music was very intentional. If you listen to, I heard Outkast the first time here. And Outkast was like, a, this is what the South is supposed to be, right? We're, this is exactly what the South is. We're not ashamed to be from the South. So I started to say, listen to the music with like intention and with a depth, right? And so I kind of carried it on in my own music, even making, no matter what sample I use, whatever group I made a beat for, or artist I made a beat for, it's always an intentional act. It's always something behind it. So I did, um, I did three records for Destiny's Child, right? Probably the most famous record I did for Destiny's Child, and I see it on everybody's TikToks, is Girl, right? And just working with B in the studio like that, knowing what samples to pick, she wants to know what the sample is. She wants to know where it came from because she's trying to teach at the same time. She's probably one of the biggest teachers we have in music, and people don't really you know, appreciate what she's doing. So just being around people like that, understanding like it's not just making music. We're affecting culture. It's not just This music is not just a form of entertainment. And music affects us as black folk different than it affects everybody else. It's a fact. You know what I mean? Somebody listening to hip hop that's white, they can put hip hop down and not be white, you know, not be black anymore. You know what I mean? We wear it, we walk it, we talk it. Like there's no way we can just put it down and just say, ah, that's, I'm not hip hop no more. This, it's in our blood, it's in our, you know. So I have to make sure I'm intentional about that, the vibes that I put out. When did you, when did you realize that this was going to be your thing, producing, you know, making music? When did you realize it was like, all right, this, this is where I'm going with my life? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm talking to the students right now. If you don't know what you want to be with your life, that's cool. You have time to figure that out. I think we get in school and we're like, oh, we gotta do this and we gotta do that. I am a living proof that life, life does not go to plan, right? I came to North Carolina Central to be a history major, right? I spent a lot of my time at Edmonds Classroom Building. Just history paper after history paper after history paper till I started making beats on a program called FL Studio. Shout out Fruity Loops. And I started selling beats for $50. And I'm thinking, I had cats coming in my room saying, all right, am I gonna eat this week or I'm gonna give you $50 for this beat? And I said, and if I'm gonna make this man guess if he gonna eat this week or not, <laughs> I got something, right? Yeah. And so, and these are people that I didn't have an emotional attachment to. If somebody buys something from you that you don't have an emotional attachment to, then that means you really got something. And so I started selling beats for $50, then $100, then $200. And, and then I said, mm. That is not today's price. That is absolutely <laughs> that is not, not today's, today's price. price. But that was in 2001, 2002. Wow. And 
the Jay-Z record came after that. I mean, it's a long story how the Jay-Z, Jay-Z record came to be. And we'll get to that, yester- too. That's when yesterday's price did not become today's price. <laughs> but it was that's what it was. So I decided to, you know, look my mom in the face. And my mom is, I'm from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Where Trey Foad. You already know. And my mom was an educator, a kindergarten teacher in Winston-Salem South County Schools for 46 years. Now I got to look her in the face and say, Mom, I want to be a DJ producer. I don't, I don't want to be a history professor no more. I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. I don't want to go to North Carolina Central York Law School. I want to make beats for a living. She's like, what? Like, you know what I mean? And for some of us, a lot of us, we're first generation going to college. We are the ones that's supposed to make it. We're the ones supposed to change the family tree. And here I am, National Honor Society in high school. I don't want to be a student no more. And that was a leap of faith. But... It paid off, I guess. I, I would say it's definitely paid off I because paid off. I think yeah. I, yeah, I think so. I mean, and you you kind of got to do both too, right? Like you got to do the music, and I think even now a lot of people have known you for not just you know being a a, a scholar, but you've been a professor at so many of these universities, and yeah. I think right now, currently, especially hip hop connoisseurs, there's there's sort of this. Uh, there's like an SOS going on about like hip hop, whether it's like the sales or whether it's, you know, if it's getting dumbed down or if there's certain messages being put out there that probably shouldn't be pumped out there by the mainstream. And I love talking to composers and producers about this type of concept because I feel like you guys are usually on the front line, right? Like I feel like producers create from the most purest place. Like they just say, let's make the great music. Yeah. I'd love to get your sort of thoughts on the current state of hip hop, I think the, the number was that it was forty percent down yeah, it's like on 40, sales. 40, 50%, yeah. It's it's um, this year, and well, I mean, who buys anymore? I mean, it, people people buy, but so, okay, okay. Oh, all right, follow up with that. Like, okay, so first of all, I hate when older people talk about younger generations' music like that, right? Mm-hmm. Because number one. A lot of people my age didn't do a good job passing the music down. That's number one. Facts. We didn't do a good job teaching. I mean, to keep it a buck. There was a lot of gatekeeping going on. There exactly. was a lot of and, uh, stay over there type. And you know? I mean, not, not only the, the, the producers and artists, but the parents and kids. Yes. They didn't say, all right, don't ride in the car. Take them AirPods out. We're listening to New Edition today. Right. You know what I mean? I did my kids like that. So we I don't, can't. I can't get mad when Sexy Red's on radio, knowing that, you know. What I mean, we wasn't. You know, the stuff we was listening to wasn't yeah, necessarily. And see, that's the thing about it. Yeah. I think. I think the thing is, and if you're from this generation, unless you know how the music was, then you're none the wiser, and it's not your fault. It, right. That's what it is. But I think what this generation is getting cheated out on is, is no balance, which means for every. Let's take it from 96. For every Lil' Kim, there was a Lauryn Hill. There was an option. Right. There's no option now. And if there is an option, you have to dig for the option. You have to really but sift that, through. That, that's, what we, that's what we did back in the day. We did, we did. Oh, no, 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 no. Let me break it down to you, bro. <laughs> you know how many songs are loaded to Spotify every week? It's got to be a crazy 700,000. Jeez. <laughs> a week? A week, and the number is going up. Yeah, 
in our time, you just couldn't put out no album. It, I mean, let's really think about this for yeah. a second. You couldn't put out no, you couldn't just, oh, I'm just recording an album and, and it's gonna be on Spotify in two days. You couldn't do that. There was a process, there was a filter system, there was this, Wu-Tang was handed at us as a finished product. Snoop was handed at us as a finished product. Mary J. Blige was handed, to, handed us as a finished product. She, she made a messed up the demos in the studio, but we ain't hear demos, did we? We heard what's the 411 as a complete project. Now, anybody can put out a song at any time in minutes. And so you got a million of those. If I'm a kid right now and I'm eight, and this is the unfair, this is the unfair thing that we don't understand when it comes to our next generation, this generation right here. If I'm a student right now and I'm 17 years old and my parents didn't let me hear hip hop like that, and I only heard playlists for the last three, four years, if I'ma learn the history of hip hop, where do I start? And that's where we gotta think about. We, we talking about decades and decades and decades of artists. Wu-Tang Clan need a class by itself. You know what I'm saying? So if I'm an 18 year old, where do I start? Yeah, I, I know Biggie, I know Tupac. I know that because it's been pushed down my throat by some old person, right? I know Mary J. Blige, I know this. But a Fuji's album, I might know a few because a lot of kids are getting music in playlists, not knowing there's a bigger album attached to this one song that they made or heard. So they're not getting it like we got it. And I think we blame them for it and it ain't their fault, man. So that's, that's what it is. But as far as the state of hip hop, as far as the sound, I honestly think a lot of artists are not doing their best to give them the best music they can, right? I just, I just don't think so. But here's the flip side to that though. Somebody told me a long time ago, you'll only get what you feel like you deserve. If what this generate, what, what people don't understand, if you don't like, they won't make. And that is as simple as that. If, they, if you get online one day and, get, and do a, Whack campaign. <laughs> Guess what? They done. He whacked his. Oh, and, and we've seen it happen. <laughs> exactly. I've seen it happen. So I went. I went, I seen the baby go from being the the hottest thing out in, at one point in minutes. Bro. Once people started saying this dude was in whack, minutes. everything he put out was just whack. <laughs> like this, everything is trash. It happened in by, a year. By one tweet, it could yeah. be one tweet from somebody, and it turns to something else. I love else. the baby. Well, uh, I like the old baby, but you know, like you know what I mean. So <laughs> I mean, it that happens, but. But how how much how much does you know, it, it's it's a double edged sword, right? Because the internet is so powerful. I think without the internet, I don't I don't I don't think people discover you discover a lot no, no, of your that's music. I, that's exactly how I got discovered. And then, right. but at the, on the other side, now there's just no filter, and it just seems like everything's playlisted and everything's just sort of yeah. like, all right, we're just gonna as long as it gets a click, as long as it gets a stream. As long as people are following it, we're gonna push it out and put it on the big right, rap playlist. We're gonna put it on all this type of stuff. I, I also so think it's just it's so many opinions, and you can't really cut through the noise that actual respectable, you know, people that that's what I'm have saying. the voice or have the experience. Every day it's just somebody new added to the filter, just saying, saying stuff. Sorry, <laughs> um, but yeah, like how do you how do we how do we cut through the noise to even have these conversations? for people that we respect. I think, I think everything runs in 30 year cycles, I think. Everything runs in 
history repeat, repeats itself. One of the best things this generation has discovered is vinyl records to be able to put the needle down and play it all the way through. Ain't no skip, ain't no let me go to the next song. You be able to play it all the way through. And for the artists that want to make song music that you can play all the way through, I think those artists will continue to win. The problem is the way the machine is set up, sometimes the skill is not pushed to the top. You know what I mean? And it's so polarized now. If I'm having fun, I don't want my music to talk about anything. If I want my music to talk about something, it's not supposed to be fun. Luckily for us, we had both. We had an artist that can say something, but we played it in the party too, you know what I mean? There'd be times I'd be listening to a song I'd be like, wait, what's he talking about? And yeah, I'm just exactly. <laughs> I've been dancing to it this my whole life. Like, didn't I didn't even know, right. Gosh, Hey Y'all by Outkast. I'm thinking like, oh, this is fun loving song. Just I'm fun like, and it's not that, right? It is exactly. not a fun loving song if right. you're listening to them lyrics, right? But I mean, it, you know, Again, I don't, I don't, I, I just hear a whole lot of old people just talk down about this generation of kids, but not doing the work. Now, I was going to ask you, this is random, but for the kids that are trying to like, you know, discover the old school hip hop ways, what are like two or three albums you would tell them to listen to, to its entirety? I don't think as a, um, wow, that's a good question. I taught, I taught here for from 2006, 2009, and from 2013 until 2019 is when I taught here. History hip hop class, at the end of the semester, we never took tests in the class, because I don't believe in tests. You don't learn anything. How many of y'all learn anything from a test at North Carolina Central? That's what I thought. Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't believe in tests. I wanted them to learn. So, the end of the semester, we do a paper that's your final exam. The paper is on an album that I assigned to you, right, to listen to. And you can't say you can't find it because it's, it's on right your, your phone. phone. Right. Um, and I always, I made sure, I always made sure I assigned a woman in my class the miseducation of Lauren Hill, right? I always made sure I assigned a woman in my class, Missy Super Duper Fly, right? Um, some of the albums I assigned was Outkast, Equimini, Nazi-O-Matic, Jay-Z's Reasonable Doubt. Just the ones we call, in, as scholars in the canon, we call them the ones. These are the ones that you need to absorb, mm -hmm. listen to. So I can't say three, it's about 10. I just wanted to hear some of them. <laughs> I, think, I think that's such an interesting way of putting it because hip hop, is still a relatively young form of art. It is, right? right? Like, you'll, you'll go to a, 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 a PWI or any other un university institution, and they'll teach you about some painting from the 1600s or Not necessarily, like I don't know about that, bro. We'll talk about that in a second. Well, maybe one day, <laughs> <laughs> maybe we will. But in, in any case, what, what I'm trying to say is, as a professor of hip hop culture, you, you have a certain responsibility to be like, this is what you need to know if you call yourself a connoisseur or if you want to learn from me. Yeah, I, again, I just don't like the way we as older people do it though. Right, so what's, the, what's the best way of going about it? Cause that's, that's what I'm saying, the responsibility to make it not seem preachy or not seem like, oh, these, these young cats don't know what they doing, da, 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 like. I have to show you why it pertains to you. Okay. Why should you care? I think a lot of people 
that's even older than me, that doesn't understand the people that's younger than me, why should they care about the 1960s? It ain't, it's the sick, bruh, it's the 60s. It's 60 some years ago, right? And although we need to know about it, we just can't push it. How does that affect you now? Why should you care about it? And for me, by the time we get to lecture number three, you all in. Like you're mad if I miss class that day. I used to teach here and I have to go do something and I'll tell my class I'm not gonna be here. And I go on the gram and post where I'm at, DMs. Oh, so you can be at such and such and you can't be in class. <laughs> like that's because- That's a good thing though, man. No, nah, it's a that's fantastic a thing. thing. Yeah. And I think for me, I'm, I'm not only teaching hip hop, I'm teaching black life, period. Like yeah. this is what it is, but I'm using hip hop to do it. So I wanna make sure that if you wanna know what excellence is, if you know what a genius is, if you know who the genius is of our time, this is why you should care. If you wanna be excellent and a genius yourself, this is who we need to study. So we don't just, we don't start in 1973, we start at slavery and work our way up. And how does we get from slavery to 1973? It's not as simple as it seems, but that's what we do. And so that's how I get them to care. You know, I put context to the music. Sometimes we just hand a kid an album, like listen to that, with no context, man. I can't hand you Illmatic and just say, listen to it. I gotta tell you, okay, this kid was 16. He wrote this album, this album came out when he was 19. He wrote it when he was 16. And he stood in his Queen Bridge window and just wrote it. And he had the best producer collection at the time. Like, that that comes with, is. I feel like, your background as, as a history major. I was gonna say. I was about to say like, there's <laughs> certain ways. Yeah, I used that major. Yeah, like, look now. <laughs> there's ways you could, there's ways you could Y'all little papers around. they made me write over there. It <laughs> turned out to be something, yeah, for a fact. Yeah. Exactly, um, I, I just love to hear more about uh, your, your, your academic career because I feel like, wow. you know, okay. there's, there is, you have such a unique career trajectory. You said at the beginning of this conversation, you're living proof that like, Life and your career plan doesn't go in a straight line. Yeah. It, was a, it, it, it goes it goes in a million it different directions. Right. So I, I would just like to know, man, when it when it came to to have the opportunity to teach at your first university and be able to be like, all right, like I could I could set a curriculum. I could I could sort of help shape young minds with this sort of extremely legitimate hip hop background, making music with your favorite artists, the biggest artists at the same time. I mean. There had to be a specific mindset you went into there, just knowing that, like, all right, I know a lot of people are gonna come in here knowing that I'm Ninth Wonder, knowing I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Grammy-winning producer, I've done all this stuff. How can I make sure I'm putting in something legitimate that I can take from my own background as a history major and, and a professor and all that type of stuff? How did that first sort of curriculum sort of shape that? Well, like I said, my mom's a teacher. Um, and so luckily for me, when I was born, teachers was in the, in the hospital visiting my mom. So I've, I've always been around instructors and teachers all my life. So I kind of got that honest. But I started teaching here in 2006. Contrary to popular opinion, I did not, grad, I did not get my degree from this university. I do not have a college degree, right? Um, That's even a bit of bigger flex, by the way. Huh? <laughs> That's a bigger flex, by the Absolutely. way. Absolutely. <laughs> so 
I started going around here in the area with all my friends that became teachers and I started to go to their classrooms and just do presentations, right? Because they would ask me, this is after the Jay-Z record, Three Destiny's Child's records, and I just won a Grammy with Mary J, right? So they're like, hey, come talk to my class for me, dog. You know what I mean? So now I'm sitting in front of second graders, fifth graders, juniors in high school, just talking. The chancellor at the time here found out about it. His name was James Ammons, and he found out about it, and he reached out to me through another alumnus from here, said, come teach here. So let me tell you about the dichotomy of that. If you're in hip-hop music, one thing if you're in hip-hop music we don't have is benefits, bro. Right. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. Yeah. Ain't no dental benefits. Ain't no life insurance, bro. It's none I, of that. I learned the three words out of pocket. <laughs> out of pocket, <laughs> right. Uh, out of pocket. Not fun. So the first three years when I started making money, I go to the doctor. You have insurance? I'm out of pocket with it. I came here. He's like, we'll give you a salary, 401k. I was like, what? Sound good to me. <laughs> I said, man. So I started teaching here for three years. Um, he gave us the, and watch the student's face when I say this. He gave us a $300,000 budget to build a studio on campus. We did. I see, yeah, I see, seeing the, the AKAs just give you the look like, <laughs> how to catch our breaths. Like, oh my God, 300. In the Lee Biology <laughs> Building, we had a studio in that Lee Biology Building for three years. As a matter of fact, what, what you make in that studio? I'm going to tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, my business partner is a guy by the name of Young Guru from Rockefeller. That's my guy. In 2006, he called me. He said, man, it's this kid, man, that's on the come up. He wants to do a mixtape with you. You do a mixtape with him. I know and, you're talking about. And I said, who is this kid? He said, this kid from D.C. named Wale. And I said, all right. And so we did a mixtape called Back to the Feature. And we recorded it at Central in here. And it's funny, at the time we were recording it, it was like the end of the semester. Duke has a, Duke has a concert called L-Doc, last day of class. I went to L-Doc that day, and they had a rapper over there by the name of Mike Posner, right? Mm. Mike Posner was walking around with this kid from Detroit named Big Sean. And I introduced myself to Big Sean. He said, big homie, man, I'm a, I'm a fan. I said, man, I'm working on this Wale tape. You want to come over to Central and record it? Big Sean came right on campus and recorded the tape. I mean, recorded his verse. So I recorded a whole album with David Banner in there. So uh, it's a few people that came through that when I was here. Fonsworth came through. Idris Elba came through. That 300,000 went far. <laughs> Like a few people would come visit if they were in town. Yeah. And, but what's, what's crazy about it is the students hung on there all the time. My classes in B and Duke Auditorium, 111 kids, right? We would leave class and I would come straight to the studio and we used to be in there all night long, just in the studio. Me and the students, they just be sitting in there and then David Banner just come to the studio, they'd be like, right? And it was a dope time, but that's when I started teaching here. We got a new chancellor. The chancellor felt like the hip hop initiative wasn't needed anymore. They let me go. Two weeks later, I got a call from Duke. Come teach at Duke. I wanted to talk to Duke. I was over there for a week. Grant Hill texted my phone. 
So then I taught at Duke for two years. And while I was at Duke, I shot a documentary. And a man from Harvard University by the name of Dr. Henry Louis Gates Jr. Yeah. saw it and said, do you want to come be a Harvard fellow? So I said, what do I have to do? I said, well, you have to come up here and do um, a presentation in front of me on your research project in the W.B. Du Bois Institute and teach a class here. So I was teaching at Duke and Harvard at the same time, flying back and forth every Monday. I was on campus uh, for homecoming 2013, and we had a new chancellor, chancellor by the name of the late, great Deborah Saunders White. And she came to me, she said, I need you back at my school, son. I said, yes, ma'am. And I came back and taught from 2014 to 2019. So now I'm at three schools at one time. I'm at Duke, I'm here, I'm at Harvard, all at the same time, teaching at three schools. Then at a fourth school, I was at Penn for a year. Still producing lineup. records, though. What is, that, what is that experience like with all of those universities clearly very, very vastly different from each other? What I try to get my central students to understand that you're no different from a Harvard student. It's all about application and applying yourself. That's what it is. As far as walking into a job, you can be very well equipped for a job like any other student that you want to, right? I did see a difference in what... a what money a school gets and what money a school does not get, right? I did see a difference is how much, how much freedom does administration give the Duke students? How much non-freedom do they give the central students? You know what I mean? If a student get in trouble here, they quickly want to kick them out. Student get in trouble over there, they give them another chance. This is a place you're supposed to make mistakes. You're supposed to, and it's depending on what you did now. But if you get caught, oh, you got caught smoking in the room. All right, man, get that kid another shot, man. You know what I mean? This is where you're supposed to make your life mistakes before you go out. And we quick to turn our back on our kids so fast. You know what I mean? So I saw that different thing, too. But I never wanted to stop teaching here at all. But that came to the end of the road, 2019, as soon as, I, as, soon as they let me go for the second time. Um... Jay-Z hit me, was like, I'm starting the Rock Nation School in New York. Come teach there. But I hadn't left Duke this entire time. I probably taught, I've been at Duke the last 13 years now. So man, that's how my academic career that is. Started. That is incredible. That is incredible, man. Um, you talked about coming from this campus right here, going to Duke, going to Harvard, starting the school with Jay-Z. I mean, and you've seen so many walks of life when it comes to just educating people or, or, or just trying to just figure out where kids and, and where people of college age are trying to really figure out life. Um, out of seeing all those walks of life, I know you mentioned it about, you know, noticing how they're a little bit more lenient to, for, for people messing up on PWIs than they are here. But in addition to that, what's the biggest... I would say difference in similarities, you would say, from a HBCU to Harvard Fellowship, outside of just the students and, and the money. I mean, I know you ran into a lot of professors over there that probably had a different level of passion that, that we'll probably have here. I know many people that work at HBCUs that have a different level of, 
I want to say responsibility to to making sure people make it out of here. But just from your own eyes, man, I'd love to see like or just know kind of what you saw. It was just travels. you know, like I said, some of us are for, raise your hand if you're a first generation college student. See, what I'm talking about. I am for right. Sure. <laughs> And if you're a first-generation college student, your mom and dad kicked their butt for you to get here, grandma, auntie, somebody, right? Immigrants. Ain't yeah, that. man. Harvard was a different ball game. It was just different because I'm teaching a son whose dad is the second command of HBO. Like, what? Like, you know what I mean? In 2018, one of my students was Yara Shahidi. Right? And so she's sitting in my class, and I walk in, I'm like, man, all right. Huh? <laughs> was he watching Blackish afterwards? I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I did, but I, I knew her as Nas' little cousin. Oh, deep. See? Yeah. You wow. know what I mean? I forget. I forget the relationship. So, wow. and she came up like, she came up, she spoke or whatever, this and that. And so I'm, I've been a fan, of course, you know, blah, 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 blah. And she said, I just want you to treat me like just a regular like student and wrote a brilliant paper, did brilliant projects like on it, you know what I mean? But it's just, it's a situation where Harvard students are already set ahead of the eight ball already. already set up, yeah. As opposed to we're coming in trying to fight to get past the eight ball. And we do, we absolutely do. But we're talking about a difference of endowment money too. A hundred, whatever a million we got today, 36, 37 billion, you know what I mean? So and it's, it, that's just what it is. But as far as the tenacity of a student, it's the same. You know what I mean? We thrive here like everybody else. So, and I'm a North Carolina Central kid teaching Harvard kids. Has there ever been a, like a, a student that you, you know, just fought and fought and fought for because you saw the potential, but they weren't applying themselves? Like, do you have? Do you have like one? experience like that? Or yeah, man, I had a few experiences. I mean, at the time I was here, if a student got in trouble with public safety, they'll call me and have me go talk to the student. Like, come on, bro, like, come on, man. What you doing? Like, what do, I know, you know. I know it's different coming from you. Yeah, it's different yeah. coming from me. Yeah. Using my class, you see me walk in, you like, oh, man. You know, you don't care if the police talking to you or whatever. But I'm talking to you. There's one kid here. He had a lot of he had a lot of weed in his room. He was servicing the community. <laughs> He'd be an entrepreneur now. He was, yeah. First he was servicing the community, and he got in trouble, and they were going to kick him out, and they called me. So I went and talked to him. We had a long conversation. They gave him another chance. I saw him. This is like 15 years ago. I saw him in the mall like last year with his wife and kids. That's beautiful. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just, and his, I don't even know if his wife know that story. I just looked at him, he looked at me. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, man, I said, how you been? He said, could have went left. Good, man. I been good. Went left. <laughs> it could have went left. And that's just the, the small, minute stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I let him, I talked. Well, I let him talk first. Yeah. And then I talked. It was a conversation. It wasn't, man, it wasn't that. It was just, we had a conversation. We don't have enough conversations. We do more pointing. We don't, we don't talk like, all right, what's really going on with you? And he told me, 
I'm like, well, you know, you can't be servicing the community, bro. <laughs> not on, like, not here. You know what I mean? As he finished Central, he did well, and he's doing well. So that's beautiful, man. I love hearing stories like that. I love hearing stories like that. Gosh, I just want to know, did you take back those fifty dollar beats from people? <laughs> <laughs> nah. You know what's funny? In 2006, I did a. I was on a mixtape called Comeback Season. I was literally just about to ask you about that. They and cut it off. I'm sorry. <laughs> nah, you go want ahead, that go story ahead. first? Or, okay, I can go, go, ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. That was my, my follow-up. So my ahead. manager at the time hit me up and was like, yo, man, you watched the show Degrassi? I said, nah. He said, is this kid on there named Wheelchair Jimmy? And he a rapper. I said, all right. So I got to watch the show. This is a little light-skinned kid in a chair, right? I said, bro, ain't no way he a rapper. There's no way. Like, he don't even got no rapper face. Like, you got to understand. <laughs> now, hear me out. We come from Beanie Siegel and Wu-Tang and, you know what I mean? And this dude, hi, you know what I mean? I just, nah, so. I end up meeting him. I used to, I used to, and I still do. I used to be the create one of the creative directors, uh, artist development for a, a clothing label called LRG. Oh, and LRG. we had an LRG photo shoot in New York, and he just sitting off in the corner, like looking at me. And I'm like, "Who is this light skinned kid staring at me, bro?" 